I'm Kimberly C. Paul. As I travel throughout each state, I realize that death is just a moment. It is how we live until that moment that matters. Finding connection with friends, family, and complete strangers. Journey with me. This is the Live Well, Die Well Tour. So we're here in Greer, South Carolina, which is right outside of Greenville, South Carolina, which borders my home state of North Carolina. So I'm really close to home, which makes me happy. But we're here with Heather Burton, who is the executive director of Wren Hospice. And what I'm, I'm really happy. Thanks for joining me today, Heather. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks for being here. Yeah. And thanks for, you know, we've been working together for almost uh, two weeks now. Um, going on our second week, we last week had uh, a book reading with the staff. I got to meet some of your most wonderful staff members, which um, I really love because it reminds me of what it takes to be people serving at the bedside of the dying. And what was unique is that I was really in love with the structure of your organization and how you do take care of people taking care of the dying. So let's start off with that. How how is this organization um, different? Because I know in South Carolina, they have this thing called, you know, no CON, which is a certificate need um, to prove that there is a need. So there is no proving whether there needs to be a hospice or um, it's just a free for all. So you could have what, 40 hospices in your area? Yeah, I think in the upstate, we have over 90 hospice um, companies. Um, so what I think and what I tell people that makes Wren different is the organizational structure. And that is because we are independently owned by three gentlemen. Two of them live in the upstate and another lives down on the coast. And they have been very successful businessmen in a previous life. They owned a DME company where in the DME world, just very similar to hospice world, it's customer service. It's all about the, the customer, the patient, the client coming first. And that has rolled over to their company with Ren, where the patient, the family, the customer always comes first. And that is what makes Ren different. And it trickles down into our staff and how we hire our staff and how we recruit members to be on our team. And that is what one of the things that makes Ren different. And it also is kind of like a cornerstone of who we are and the foundation that we're built upon. And, um, you know, I think that there's a feeling of that when you come to work here. You get the feeling that the customer is first, that customer service is um, high priority for us, and that the other business aspect comes down the road as long as you're taking care of the family and the patient. So really you're saying that mission is first and doing the right thing, everything else will fall into line. Absolutely. You know, having staff that have a hospice heart, a caring heart, I can, I can teach you, you know, nursing skills. I can teach you volunteer services. Um, but 
fostering a hospice heart, you've got to really come to the table with that. And that's what we look for during the hiring process and then then further on down the road with us. Well, so what's really crazy in 2019 is people still don't know what hospice does. And just recently, I had an experience um, with someone back in my home state saying, hey, my mom needs hospice. And we're working on a Sunday, which is, you know, can be challenging um, when you have on-call staff. But, you know, hospice is 24 hours, seven days a week. You know, death does not take a holiday. And what was crazy is that, you know, by the time she was admitted, her mother passed away about nine o'clock that evening. And so, first of all, what what is hospice? And I, I just want, and I know what hospice is, but I really want just, again, what is hospice? When is it appropriate to bring you guys in? And, and then we're going to talk about out of 90 some hospices, why you're so different than the other 89 hospices and why you, and why am I sitting in front of you than the other 89. And I will share my own opinion about that. But yeah, let's, what is what is hospice? Um, hospice is, uh, in my opinion, a uh, an extra service, not only for the patient, but also for the family. But the Medicare definition of what hospice is, is when you have a physician who has said you have a life-limiting illness, and, and if should that illness take its course, um, you have six months or less to to live. Um, and so, of course, clearly we follow those guidelines, but what we want to do and educate the community and for them to understand, which is a huge part of why we have you here, um, is that hospice is so much more than that. One of our nurses here, um, Jamie Hester, her her own personal tagline is you can't spell hospice without hope. Mm-hmm. And there's so much truth in that, that, you know, you have to live live well, die well. We're going to help you live extremely well until that point that you um, you pass on. But part of that for Ren is making sure that you're comfortable, that you are where you want to be. Um, we have found that most people don't want to be in a hospital. They want to be at home surrounded by loved ones. And hosp- no beeping machines, you know, no stated visiting hours, you know, and, and that's also what you provide also, you know, I was just listening to an interview with Dame Cicely Saunders uh, yesterday and what was really crazy and important to reiterate is that she diagnosed that pain is a vital part of what hospice addresses, but not only the physical pain, but there could be spiritual pain and there could be mental pain and they could be other types of pain that people are dealing with that as hospice, the team, because you guys come at it as a team approach, um, you guys try to address all those issues um, with, with that individual patient and family. Um, so, which is really cool because, you know, a lot of people think of pain management as just physical pain. There's so much more. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about, you know, mental pain, emotional pain, uh, you know, just spiritual pain. And so that's what I like. So talk to me a little bit about the team approach. Why do a team approach? Why do a team approach? It's so 
interdisciplinary. I mean, you've got your social worker who is coming and making sure that we have services in the home so that you can stay in the home. You've got your chaplain coming in. Um, it reminds me of one of your segments of your book about forgiveness. And there's so many family dynamics and making sure that the family as a whole is where that loved one needs for them to be for forgiveness. And are they have they made the right decisions in their religion and where they want to be? But as a team, we want to take care of the person, the entire environment that they're in. And one of the ways that we have been able to do that is we had a younger patient on service. He was in his mid-40s, and his wish was to see his son graduate from high school. And we knew that based on his diagnosis, he would not get to see him graduate. Um, so our team put together a high school graduation. Oh, wow. In the local church, we got the school involved, cap and gown. Um, we had volunteers that put together the graduation ceremony. But that was a team approach that took volunteer services. It took our chaplain. It took our nurses. And the community. It took the community, everybody coming together so that this father could see his son graduate high school, and he did see him graduate. Um, and that's just one of the things that we do that we feel like is so important. I mean, there's another story of how a um, gentleman had been common law, but he wanted to marry his girlfriend of 26 years. And our team made it happen. Oh, wow. Our nurse that her motto, can't spell hospice without hope. Right. You know, we had a a wedding at a barn. Our chaplain married them. We had flowers and cake and everything was donated from the community. And it was just a beautiful, beautiful thing to be able to see that he had wanted to marry her. And we were able to come together as a team at Wren to make it happen. And wow. Wow. And so, you know, what I've learned is when people are facing an intimate, you know, an immediate right around the corner death, um, is that they do tend to migrate to what's important. And and you're revealing that you're the bridge to making some of that what's important in quotations um, happen. Because some people don't have A, the resources, or nowhere even to begin. So how do you compete or stand out in, in a way that you are, are recognized with 89 other hospices in your area. I mean, I know that because I've met the staff and I've met you and I've known you for many years and the owners I was able to meet and the, the heart that they have, um, the service heart actually of, of what can we do to get individuals, uh, to know about this service. So what, what makes Ren stand out? I think there's a couple of things. The first thing that comes to mind is our staff. I mean, we have wonderful staff on our team that truly have a passion for what they do. They um, they love and they care intimately for these for these folks and for these families. I think the other one of the other things that makes us difference is that we are local and we are not um, a larger organization. As so you're not as, in California. No, I'm not in California. I mean, right. I'm in South Carolina. And so you're not a chain. Not, at- no, we're not a chain. <laughs> and, you know, there's there's always um, benefits and, and 
and drawbacks from that. But the huge benefit is that we're nimble and we're able to make decisions for families that are important immediately. If somebody says, I want to get married, then we say, okay, today let's figure out how we can make that happen next week. Um, and so those things are important, especially when it comes to care. If somebody says, well, you know, I didn't want a hospital bed two weeks ago, but I want one today. Okay, fine. Let's get it today. Okay. Um, you know, we're you know a- what, that makes great sense because, you know, with larger organizations, it does seem like it has to go uphill to, to make a decision instead of boom. Yes, we can make a decisions because I came here the other day and I was sitting next to the owner and had no clue he was the owner. I thought he was a chaplain or something. So very approachable, very interested in meeting and conforming to where the patient and family are versus the opposite. Oh, absolutely. And that, and that comes from them down, you know, that, that is passed to me. If there's something that a patient needs, you get it. And then we, we talk about you know, other things later, cost, or where did you get it from? No, you just take care of the patient and then the rest falls in place. But it's really about focusing on taking care of the patient, good care of the patient and family and mm-hmm. giving what, the, what they need. You know, I've been in hospice a, a long time and, and I'm very familiar with what it takes to run an organization. And what I've learned through surveys and through interviewing family members and even now on the road for six months is that people are always 2020 looking behind. Like, I wish I had hospice sooner. Even my friend who was talking, you know, her mother had hospice for what, three hours. She goes, it was great while we had it. But that is crazy because this benefit is really unlimited, even though it does somewhat say, well, it's, you know, you have to be in the last six months of your life, but we're not God. We're not, we're not here to predict or when I'm going to die or when you're going to die. And so as long as that disease takes its natural course, and whether that's six months, 12 months, a year and a half, as long as it's taking and progressing in what we feel is the end of life, you're able to have hospice care. Why are people not using this full benefit? Because this is what I think. If someone came to me and said, hey, you have six months free at Walt Disneyland, go use it. I'm like, heck yeah. But then someone beside me says, oh, you only have a few hours. Wouldn't you feel gypped? Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't you feel like yeah. you you didn't get the full benefit of what someone else or what could happen? And so I feel like how can we get it out to the public that don't wait? How do you get referred to hospice earlier? Can I call into hospice as a caregiver and say, I think my mother needs help. I need help. And what beyond that? I mean, what, what do you do just beyond, hey, the H word, we have to admit that you're dying. Um, But what else can you provide to help that caregiver in their home? It's all about resources and how we can help people. And we want Ren Hostess to be known as a resource. You know, if you're a caregiver and you just want to ask a question, call us. That doesn't mean that we're going to sign your loved one up on hospice, but I might be able to get you to a home health team. I might be able to get you to an adult day center that can... Or even a wheelchair ramp maybe could be built. Right. I can have the social worker find somebody to build you a wheelchair ramp. You know, it's about helping the community and making sure that we don't have that person that falls into the three-hour 
doors of home hospice because we're not able to give the patient and the family the real benefit of letting them see our team at work and letting us come around them and give them love and compassion during that most difficult time. You know, we want to build relationships with the family so that we can help them through that grieving process, through that bereavement piece that lasts, you know, 13 months after their loved one dies. But if you've only known somebody for three hours, it's real hard to help them through that. It's like crisis mode. It's complete crisis mode. And, you know, a part of that is we're in a society now that's all about educating themselves. We look to Google and WebMD. WebMD for everything to educate ourselves. We also should be educating ourselves on end of life and what hospice truly means. And that is another pillar of what Rent Hospice is about is educating not only our community, but also educating caregivers, educating physicians, you know, educating, you know, young folks that are coming up. Yes, you need to have a living will. You need to have your advanced care planning decisions made. If you want to be an organ donor and you haven't shared that conversation with your family and something were to happen to you, then you've left your family in a difficult situation. So we talk a lot about advanced care planning, five wishes, and how we can get the general population to understand that hospice is not a bad word. Hospice is a great thing, not only for something that you can do for your family, but also for yourself. Um, so it's just it's just a really... Tons of education, and we find ourselves doing that on a regular basis with the community that we're in, and also with our healthcare professionals. So you're 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 here as a resource. If people have random questions, if people are just in the community thinking, you know, I just my mother seems to be losing weight, you are able just to say, hey, let's let me come in. Let's just assess her. And let's see if you do qualify for hospice care or other services in the community. And I think that's where people wait until there is a crisis. And what happens is that grieving process, it's almost like a tragedy. Because when, when even with personal experiences, when I lost a friend in a car wreck, it was a shock. And that grief and that period of grief took a lot longer than, hey, we're all going to face end of life. Yes, you have a serious illness, but our job is to help you live as best as you can, as with most quality as you can until that last breath. And, and people can start grieving a little bit along the way, but also have a conversation with actually the patient patient, and say, I'm going to miss you. And and how do we do, do that? So let's talk a little bit about if someone's listening in what areas of the upstate of South Carolina do you serve? We cover the 13 counties in the upstate. So we go all the way from Saluda, Oconee, down to Newberry, and then across over to Gaffney and Union. So basically anything above Columbia, we are caring for folks in those those counties. Wow. And would if someone's listening and would like to call you right now, what do you have a general number that they, they should call for information? Yes, our phone number is 864-326-3242. You can also visit our website um, and you can shoot us an email. Um, our email is info, I-N-F-O, at renhospice.com and ren is W-R-E-N. 
and our website is renhospice.com. That's awesome. And I will testify that you do have some amazing staff. Um, I've got to meet them this week and got to correspond and chat with them. Um, and it was really awesome to be back in touch with people who allow mission to come before dollars and cents. Um, and I, and you could tell, you could tell that they're passionate. Um, and I just applaud with you and your organization for what you're doing. And if there's anything that we can do to further help get the word out about Ren Hospice, um, we have a couple of more events this week. Um, and so please, you can always visit livewelldiewelltour.com and get in touch with me. And if you're in the upstate of South Carolina, I will get in touch. I will get you in touch with Ren Hospice as well. Heather, thank you for taking this time and uh, congratulations for creating an organization that really is radically changing how people face end of life. Thank you so much, Kimberly. Love to have you here. Thanks for joining us today. And remember, you're the designer.